Someone put a, a note on uh, Facebook that said, this is the lentiest Lent I've ever Lented. And it is very true. It is the Lentiest Lent. Um, we've experienced in our own family that whole sense of being sheltered in. This is my uh, first time out in about two and a half weeks. It's good to, uh, uh, to be able to get out, but I desperately miss uh, seeing the rest of you. Seeing a few people here this morning who are uh, helping to lead worship is great. Uh, I can't wait until the opportunity to, uh, to see all of you. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we interrupted our series in Romans because uh, COVID-19 moved into our lives. And I wanted us to hear what God's word might say to us in our present circumstances. Two weeks ago, we considered Psalm 46, which noted that we don't need to be afraid, but that we can be still and that we can know God. Last week, we reflected on Psalm 84 and the challenges of living in the two. That is, realizing that our pilgrimage, a pilgrimage as we just sang about, includes difficult circumstances. Yet through it all, we discover strength in God's presence. Well, today, the the lectionary psalm for the day is Psalm 31. Psalm 31 is a prayer of deliverance. It includes lament and thanksgiving. David prayed it when he faced conspiracy against him. He felt trapped in the nest of evil and sought shelter in God. So Psalm 31 is a prayer that seeks God's salvation in the midst of darkness. Let's read together Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me, come quickly to my rescue, be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that's set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I'll be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You've not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction. My bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I'm the utter contempt of my neighbors. I'm a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I'm forgotten by them as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery, for I hear the slander of many. There's terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Let their lying lips be silent, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them. 
From the intrigues of others in your dwelling, you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. In my alarm, I said, I'm cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Pope John Paul II once gave a speech at Yad Vashem, the Holocaust memorial in Israel. He spoke of his memories of a Nazi-occupied Poland, and he recalled Jewish friends and neighbors, some of whom had died, and he noted the echo of heart-rending laments from men, women, and children that still saddened him 50 years after the war. Yad Vashem stands as a memorial for all who are stripped of human dignity and are murdered. But on that day, evil and murder were not the last words, said Pope John Paul II. Instead, he brought to mind the words of Psalm 31. I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. In the midst of being caught in the trap of evil, Psalm 31 offers a prayer of confidence that God will deliver. Jesus even prays verse 5 on the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus expressed a, a sturdy trust in the Lord when he faced the height of human torment. I don't think we can begin to imagine the distress Jesus experienced entering Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Unlike the crowd, Jesus knew what awaited him. He knew he was entering a trap. Before the week was out, some of the adulating voices would cry, Crucify him! Jesus would be tested physically, emotionally, and spiritually by his suffering. In Luke's story, as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, the crowd spreads cloaks on the road and they praise God for the miracles Jesus had done. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, they cry. And the Pharisees hated this. They told Jesus to quiet his disciples. And Jesus said that even if he did, the rocks would shout out. And then, as Jesus approaches the city, we get a hint of what's to come. Luke tells us that when Jesus saw the city, he wept over it. If you, even you, cried Jesus, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The people were lost and without a clue. And so were the religious leaders. They couldn't even recognize who was coming into the city. Jesus' heart broke at the lostness of God's people. But that's only the beginning of Jesus' suffering. Actually, there's a phrase in Psalm 31 that captures the flavor of what Jesus faced. Verse 4 says, Free me from the trap that's set for me now. The psalm writer's using a a hunting image here. Hunters would use a, a hidden net to capture their prey. As the quarry drew near, they would suddenly close the net around their prey to capture and confine. Instead of being held in God's protective care, the psalm writer experienced a sense of the enemy closing in. And verse 4 gives us this image of this hunting net. 
And then in verse 21, we hear another image, an image of a besieged city. The psalmist feels like he's in this enclosed space, controlled by the enemy. I suspect that maybe some of us are feeling this way because of the state's stay-at-home orders. Some of us may feel trapped. That's Jesus' feeling as he rode into Jerusalem. He will face a conspiracy that's so powerful, all his friends will abandon him. Jesus entered a week of unrelenting suffering. He faced the contempt of the religious leaders who hauled him before their temple court and brought trumped-up charges against him. The Gospel of Matthew says, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. He faced abandonment by all who had been with him. Judas betrayed him. Matthew says, all the disciples deserted him and fled. And even Peter, who promised that he would go all the way to death with Jesus, disowned him. I don't know what you're talking about, said Peter. I don't know the man. I don't know him. Until finally Jesus feels bereft of God's caring presence. And he suffers the kind of torment expressed in Psalm 31. I'm forgotten by them as though I were dead. I hear the slander of many. There's terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. The psalm writer's misery is grim. It's a feeling of isolation. You want social distancing? Look at verse 11. I'm an object of dread to my neighbors. Those who see me on the street flee from me. We feel this because of a deadly virus. As one person notes, it's a a virus we cannot see and cannot see coming. But Jesus saw it coming. Jesus experienced this isolation as he made his way through the week from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. An isolation that tore at his soul. Every step was an intensifying sense of isolation, separation, being trapped by the forces of evil. Psalm 31 captures this dread. Perhaps it's the the kind of dread we feel as our churches are shuttered and we face the prospect of, of celebrating Easter without the usual flourishes. The doom and gloominess of Psalm 31 seems quite real to us. It was to Jesus We can imagine him saying these words. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life's consumed by anguish, my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. And yet Jesus trusted God to save. Even his cry from the cross was not a giving up. Jesus didn't passively resign to the power of death. Rather, he was sure of God's power of life. He took up the words of Psalm 31 when he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was sure that God would save him from the trap of his enemies. Two images in Psalm 31 help us understand Jesus' confident faith. The first image is a God as a rock of refuge. Psalm 31 begins, 
In you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. The psalm was written when David faced serious trouble. I mean, we don't know what kind of trouble it was. could be when other nations were coming in war against Israel. It could be when King David faced rebellion from Absalom and he was on the run. But in his trouble, David writes and turns to God, his protector. For the people of Israel, when they were traveling through barren country or desert, rocks would offer them a welcome relief. Rocks, especially if they were big enough, could provide shade from the sun. They might be a place of shelter for the night. And certainly, if an enemy was coming, the rocks rocks could offer a, a hiding place. David experienced this when he was on the run from Saul. He hid in the caves formed by the rocks and was able to escape Saul's threats. Rocks were places of strength and defense. They were like a fortress. We once uh, visited friends in Newfoundland, Canada. We went to Cape Spear. Cape Spear is the, the farthest point east in North America. During World War II, they were concerned about the, the Germans coming over to North America. Near St. John's, overlooking the Atlantic Ocean, they carved bunkers out of the solid rock. And these bunkers housed the big guns that would be used to fend off any German attack. When the possibility of attack threatened, the people of St. John's looked to the rocks to provide shelter. Psalm 31 expresses that kind of confidence. God is a rock of refuge. It says this, how great is your goodness. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them. Troubles never far away. We may even have to find, we may even find ourselves under attack, whether assaulted by the words of others or by a silent but deadly disease or by the attacks of enemies. In all of these, God provides a hiding place. God is our refuge. Martin Luther wrote, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Despite attack, God will keep us sheltered in his care. And that leads to the second image in Psalm 31, the image of being in God's hands. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Instead of being held in the clutches of foes and enemies who grab and trap, the psalm writer feels held by God. God shelters the psalm writer's destiny. His life is firmly held in the palm of God's hands. Nothing will be able to rip us out of God's loving hands. And on the cross, Jesus gave himself into the hands of his Father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Many may have wondered how Jesus could possibly do that. How could he commend himself to to God? I mean, he was put to death as a blasphemer. He died on a cross, and that kind of death is cursed even by God. But by committing himself into God's hands, Jesus took himself out of the hands of those who sought to trap him in death. Jesus really redefined what happened. I mean, many stood around laughing and scoffing. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Jesus opened up his hands 
to give up what they figured they were taking from him. He opened his hands for the nails. And then he opened his mouth. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus trusted his life to God. Committed himself to the Father's care. That God would keep him. That God's power would take Jesus through death. Friends, despite our current situation, we can enter this week trusting God. Our troubled circumstances may not abate anytime soon. We may not find an explanation or a solution to the trouble we're now facing. But this much we know. As we enter into this week of Jesus' death, we're aware of the truth. And if there were no cross, our distress would easily suffocate us into despair. We enter this week looking to the cross of Jesus as a refuge for our times of trial. I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Oh, we'll still have trouble. But God reassures us with his presence despite our trouble. We enter into this week in confidence because in Jesus' death, God acted for us. The darkness may surround, but it cannot overcome because Jesus shouldered all of our darkness in his death on the cross. The Apostles' Creed says that Jesus descended to hell. The Heidelberg Catechism explains why these words are included. It says this, To assure me during attacks of deepest dread and temptation that Christ my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul on the cross, but also earlier, has delivered me from hellish anguish and torment. We confess that Christ endured suffering to deliver us from our own suffering. That Christ sustained in his body and soul the worst possible anguish. That he carried God's wrath against our sin. And by his suffering, he delivers us from condemnation and delivers us to life with God. Life with God. When we commit our lives into the Father's hands, we declare with confidence that God will see us through. Think of all the areas of life that we need to pray with that kind of trust. Father, into your hands, I commit my calendar. I know I'm used to having my whole calendar laid out clearly. And I'd complain about how much I had to do and how busy life was. But at least I knew what was coming. But now as dates and appointments and camping excursions get crossed off my calendar, all I can do is trust that God will provide. Father, into your hands I commit my finances. I mean, I don't know what the long-term impact of this virus will be on our economy. Will there be enough to cover the rent or to pay the medical bills? I don't know if there'll be enough there for retirement or to provide for my family. But I believe that God will provide. Father, into your hands, I commit my body. 
I don't know if this virus will attack my system. I don't know if I would survive should it find a foothold in my body. But I do know that God will provide. Father, into your hands I commit my schooling. I may not understand why I have to do all this online learning. I may have anxiety about whether I'm going to pass. I may be disappointed by the cancellation of graduation and a number of other highly important events in the life of a senior student. But I will trust that God will provide. Father, into your hands I commit my marriage, my family... I mean, these times of physical distancing take a toll on social relationships and none face greater challenge right now than our family relationships. I loved Pam's prayer where she recognized that under these strains, our problems, our challenges, our relational dysfunction, our loneliness simply get magnified. But through it all, I trust that God will provide. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, my body, my life. Our value isn't found in success at work. It's not found in good grades. It's not found in incessant busyness. Our worth is found in the truth that our times are in God's hands. And Jesus' journey to the cross shows us God's favor, the kind of favor that we need right now. The favor of God that will endure long past any virus. Jesus' death puts to death every enemy we might face. One pastor notes that in the cross of Jesus, she said this, God is there. Speaking a powerful no to that which seeks to annihilate us, especially those destructive powers and principalities. And God is there speaking a powerful yes to us. As beloved children, intimately and securely attached to divine life. This coming week will teach us that on the cross, God dealt once and for all with every loneliness, isolation, fear, anxiety, and dread we can experience. There is no suffering. There is no death, no pain, no misery, no threat that we can face without God. And so as we head toward Good Friday, we will see this darkness closing in around Jesus. But this is our hope that the darkness has not and will not overcome. It didn't overcome Jesus and will not overcome us. Our times are in the Father's hands. You know, friends, faith isn't proved when life is easy. Faith isn't proved when everything goes smoothly. It's when we feel like we're in the clutches It's when we feel like we're surrounded and there doesn't seem to be any way out. Faith is proved when we can trust that God conquered the greatest and last enemy by going there for us. Jesus went to death for us. And so we enter this week 
with His words. We enter this week with the words of Psalm 31. I trust in You, O Lord. I say, You are my God. Be strong and take heart, all who hope in the Lord. Let's pray together. This is a prayer that was written by Cornelius Plantinga for Palm Sunday. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you from whom angels hide their faces, you made your way to be with us sinners. You are King of kings, and yet you humbled yourself to bear our flesh. You shine with heavenly glory, yet you lowered yourself into our darkness. You glow with moral purity, yet you absorbed all our evil into your holy being and did not pass evil back. We join our voices with the Palm Sunday crowd to say, Hosanna, save us. Lord Jesus Christ, we live in a frightening world, menaced by a tiny virus we cannot see and cannot see coming. Some of us are sick. Some of us have been sick. Some of us will be sick. All of us are afraid of being sick. Lord Jesus Christ, Hosanna, save us. Lord Jesus Christ, you entered our world as a helpless babe. Lord Jesus Christ, you were a homeless man with no place to lay your head. Lord Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, come into our lives, we pray. Shine on us with everlasting light. Rain on us with unceasing bounty. Blow on us with life-giving love. Settle on us with refreshing dew. Shine on us. Rain on us. Blow on us. Settle on us. O Lord Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, come into our lives today. We need you. Hosanna. Save us. Amen. Amen.